Blog Talk Radio. an extension of 
what began in the old one. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. It has refinements, technological advances, and a more sophisticated approach to the destruction of human freedom. But like every one of the super states that preceded it, it has one iron rule. Logic is an enemy and truth is a menace. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. It is a system which has constricted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silent, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no rumor is printed, no secret is revealed. As years before the Congressional Committee to tell what I knew of activities, which I believe might lead to an attempt to set up a fascist dictatorship. A part of that plan, of course, is to induce the gradual surrender of American sovereignty, piece by piece and step by step, to various international organizations, of which the United Nations is the outstanding but far from the only example. The consequent willingness of the American people to allow the steps of appeasement by our government, which amount to a piecemeal surrender of the rest of the free world and of the United States itself. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order, a world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. When we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN standards. I had planned another closing message, but I feel compelled to say what I'm about to say. Now, I risk sounding like a conspiracy theorist, but it's no longer a theory. What I'm about to say is fact. The secret organizations of the world power elite are no longer secret. They have planned and are now leading us into a one-world communist government. On the outskirts of the national capital today, black limousines with darkened windows converged on a cell where private security guards imposed ironclad control. The limos carried royalty, political power brokers, and industrial titans to a secret meeting that will last all weekend. It's known as the Bilderberg Group. Could their objective be world domination? Money from our treasury is now being spent for this effort. We will have a new currency and a new constitution modeled on the Soviet Union's constitution. Our rights will not be inalienable, but they will be granted by government who can also take them away. This is terrorism of the most worst kind, brought on you by our own government. 
the strongest, freest nation in the history of mankind will be averaged into world communism. It is a big idea, a new world order. A new world is emerging. It is a new world order. The new world order is emerging. A new world order can be created. New world order. The new world order. The new world order. The new world order. The new world order. New world order. New world order. New world order. A new world order. And the hope that each of us has to build a new world order. I think even that, even that does not describe why the world has changed so much and why the world has turned so much towards a new world order and a new kind of civilization. France intends to proceed together with all people of goodwill around the world. This battle to build a new world order of the 21st century. It's about the future of Europe and a new world order. A new world order. The new world order. New world order. A new international order. New global order. President Obama and British Prime Minister Gordon today calling for a new world order. Is this some sort of a new world order which, which Gordon Brown kind of alluded to? God is setting up a new world order and his plan includes you. In an era of globalization, of political interdependence where the world is ever more swiftly opening up and the cliche about a global community becomes an economic, political, often social reality. In this new world... In this new world, British Prime Minister Brown today declared a new world order is emerging. We want to know what you think, so our poll question is, are you excited that a new world order is emerging? Or are you concerned about America's sovereignty? What is this new world order all about? It is about a reversal of the American Revolution. American Revolution was a bunch of farm kids and kids that get in working in blacksmith shops and working in other jobs, standing up to the greatest army on earth in places like Lexington and Concord and saying to the whole world that forever, no matter what happens, we Americans decide here and decide for ourselves our own destiny. The new world order is the reversal, the overturning of that revolution. That's what the end goal is. America is a rich province, part of their new world order. But I give you my word, if ever I stand up on that east wing of the Capitol and take my oath as President of the United States, when my hand goes up, their new world order comes crashing down. In the near future, Earth is dominated by a powerful world government. Once free nations are slaves to the will of a tiny elite, the dawn of a new dark age is upon mankind. Countries are a thing of the past. Every form of independence is under attack, with the family and even the individual itself nearing extinction. Close to 80% of the Earth's population has been eliminated. The remnants of a once free humanity are forced to live within highly controlled, compact, prison-like cities. 
Travel is highly restricted. Superhighways connect the megacities and keep the population from entering into unauthorized zones. No human activity is private. AI supercomputers chronicle and categorize every action. A prison planet dominated by a ruthless gang of control freaks whose power can never be challenged. This is the vision of the global elite, their goal. A program of total dehumanization where the science of tyranny is lost. A worldwide control grid designed to ensure the overlord's monopoly of power forever. Our species will be condemned to this nightmare future unless the masses are awakened to the New World Order master plan and mobilized to defeat it. Erected by a secretive group, the Georgia Giant Stones are a testament to the elite's plan for a world religion, global laws, with a global court and army to enforce it. And set in stone, it is written that the population never rise above 500 million. In this film, you will learn how our world is truly governed. You will see how highly secretive roundtable groups interlock to form a global intelligence network. This group has been steering planetary affairs for hundreds of years. Now in the final stage, they prepare for open world government. A gold tyrant throughout history have lusted us. been receiving tremendous play over the last half of the 20th century. Uh, George Bush, the first senior president, George Bush, used it a lot in his speeches and really implies that he really wants to see a order in which we have a universal or a global type of governance in which every human being on planet Earth is ultimately responsible for the policies that are being formulated at the international level. It is a big idea, a new world order. It's really always the same. You go back throughout all of history, the Roman Empire, the uh, Soviet Union, Hitler during the Nazism was always saying that it's going to create the utopia for the average person, when in fact, history always shows that it does exactly the opposite. Conquest and empire is as old as civilization. Babylon, Egypt and Greece. They all built empires in an attempt to rule the world. The Roman system at its peak dominated the known world. Complex governmental systems were developed to control diverse populations. During the period between the 15th and 19th century, new empires emerged and again waged war for supremacy. The nobility, as well as the thriving merchant class, were financed by a handful of private banks. Many of the great money houses would hedge their bets and finance both sides of a war. Sophisticated intelligence-gathering networks gave the financiers a clear edge over the governments they were slowly gaining control of. 
On the 18th of June, 1815, agents of the British arm of the Rothschild family looked on as Emperor Napoleon Bonaparte fought desperately to save his army from the jaws of a British-Prussian pincer attack. A Rothschild agent was able to get the news of Napoleon's defeat at the hands of Lord Wellington to Nathan Rothschild a full 20 hours before the news reached London. Nathan, the head of the British arm of the Rothschild family, put out the rumor to the London Stock Exchange that Napoleon had won the war. Stocks plunged by 98% and Rothschild was then able to buy up the entire British economy for pennies on the pound. When the news of Napoleon's defeat finally arrived, stocks soared. Britain was now the undisputed ruler of Europe and Rothschild ruled England. The already dominant British Empire grew even more aggressive. Her troops and bureaucracy spread across the globe. The sun never set on Britannia's holdings. The banking cartel funded, in fact, since about 1800, they have funded both sides of almost every war. And, of course, they're getting the interest off of the loans that they've given the various governments and the wars that they have actually helped stimulate and create. By 1900, Germany was a rising force and the leader of the Industrial Revolution. Uh, world War I, for instance, there was absolutely no reason to have World War I except that it was an ideal opportunity for the banking cartel to make a pile of money by funding both sides of that particular war. Armaments companies financed by Rothschild-controlled banks in Germany, France, England, and Austria bankrolled all the factions. At least 20 million were killed in the war. It was a conflict so terrible, the people vowed to never fight again. They dubbed it the war to end all war. The question is, why did they want war? Well, first of all, is money and power. But secondly, they wanted to create the League of Nations. They had this in their plans all along, and as a consequence, once the war was over or about to be over, they began to formulate this idea of a League of Nations so this would never, ever happen again. Hundreds of years of practice made the British experts at hiding their empire behind puppet governments and councils. In the name of stopping all future conflicts, they proposed that countries would join a League of Nations. Their true intention was for the League to serve as a framework for world government. President Woodrow Wilson, who had spearheaded the establishment of the private Federal Reserve System in the United States in 1913, strongly supported the establishment of the League of Nations. Woodrow Wilson was a very naive president. He was basically a college professor that was grafted into this whole system. The League convened in Paris in 1919, but many nations recognized it as a threat to their sovereignty and refused to join. Frustrated by the U.S. Congress blocking the League of Nations, British intelligence, with the help of the Rockefeller family, set up the Council on Foreign Relations in New York City in 1921. 
The Council recruited the best and brightest of American life to support the growth of the Anglo-American Empire. The CFR's stated mission is to abolish all nation-states in favor of an all-powerful world government administered by a tiny elite. By 1930, the promoters of world government had split into two interlocking camps. The Fabian Socialists centered in London and the Fascist based in Italy and Germany. National Socialism will use its own revolution for establishing a new world order. Adolf Hitler. Supporters of the fascist in the United States and England believed that the military should be used to quickly transform the world into a new world order. All the more sophisticated practitioners of globalism stated that incrementalism was the sure path to world domination. Congressional Medal of Honor winner Major General Smedley Butler went public in 1934 exposing an attempt by the robber barons to launch a military overthrow of the United States. The war hero testified to the McCormick Dickstein Committee in Congress that some of the most powerful men in America had tried to recruit him to lead a military coup so they could set up national socialism in the United States. Here before the Congressional Committee, the highest representation of the American people under subpoena to tell what I knew of activities, which I believe might lead to an attempt to set up a fascist dictatorship. I was supposed to lead an organization of 500,000 men, which would be able to take over the functions of government. The fascists had also made deep inroads in England. Edward VIII, King of England, was forced to advocate the throne because of his public support for Hitler. In the build-up to World War II, and during the conflict, the bankers again financed both sides, just as they had done with Napoleon. With the rise and fall of the Third Reich, Europe lay in ruins. Once again, the elite claimed that only global governance could save humanity from certain destruction. And this time, the elite would succeed in setting up their world body. In April of 1945, at the Presidio Naval Base in San Francisco, the United Nations was founded by the victors of World War II. The United Nations complex was then built in New York City on land donated by John D. Rockefeller. Shortly after the elite established the United Nations as their base in the United States, the newly formed World Council quickly began work on the next phase in their plan, the incremental formation of continental superstates. The first step in their trilateral plan was the creation of the European Union. Unifying Europe had been tried many times and was extremely unpopular. Where Napoleon and Hitler had failed to accomplish their goals using force, 
the globalists would succeed using stealth. The British spearheaded the formation of the Council of Europe on May 5, 1949. The Treaty of London claimed to only establish trade ties between European nations, like NAFTA or GATT in North America. Its true intention was the formation of a European superstate. A part of that plan, of course, is to induce the gradual surrender of American sovereignty, piece by piece and step by step, to various international organizations, of which the United Nations is the outstanding but far from the only example. Now here are the aims for the United States. One, greatly expanded government spending for every conceivable means of getting rid of ever larger sums of American money as wastefully as possible. Two, higher and then much higher taxes. Three, an increasingly unbalanced budget despite the higher taxes. Four, wild inflation of our currency. Five, government controls of prices, wages, and materials supposedly to combat inflation. Six, greatly increased socialistic controls over every operation of our economy and every activity of our daily lives. This is to be accompanied naturally and automatically by a correspondingly huge increase in the size of our bureaucracy and in both the cost and reach of our domestic government. Seven, far more centralization of power in Washington and the practical elimination of our state lines. There is a many-faceted drive at work to have our state lines eventually mean no more within the nation than our county lines do now within the states. Eight, the steady advance of federal aid to and control over our educational system, leading to complete federalization of our public education. Nine, a constant hammering into the American consciousness of the horror of modern warfare, the beauties and the absolute necessity of peace, peace always on communist terms, of course. And ten, the consequent willingness of the American people to allow the steps of appeasement by our government which amount to a piecemeal surrender of the rest of the free world and of the United States itself. began as the American colonies sought to detach from England and its oppressive monarchy. Though many reasons are cited for the revolution, one in particular sticks out as the prime cause, that King George III of England outlawed the interest-free, independent currency the colonies were producing and using for themselves, in turn forcing them to borrow money from the Central Bank of England at interest, immediately putting the colonies into debt. And as Benjamin Franklin later wrote, the refusal of King George III to allow the colonies to operate an honest money system which freed the ordinary man from the clutches of the money manipulators 
was probably the prime cause of the revolution. In 1783, America won its independence from England. However, its battle against the central bank concept and the corrupt, greed-filled men associated with it had just begun. So what is a central bank? A central bank is an institution that produces the currency of an entire nation. Based on historical precedent, two specific powers are inherent in central banking practice. The control of interest rates and the control of the money supply, or inflation. The central bank does not simply supply a government economy with money, it loans it to them at interest. Then, through the use of increasing and decreasing the supply of money, the central bank regulates the value of the currency being issued. It is critical to understand that the entire structure of this system can only produce one thing in the long run. Debt. It doesn't take a lot of ingenuity to figure this scam out. For every single dollar produced by the central bank is loaned at interest. That means every single dollar produced is actually the dollar plus a certain percent of debt based on that dollar. And since the central bank has the monopoly of the production of the currency for the entire country, and they loan each dollar out with immediate debt attached to it, where does the money to pay for the debt come from? It can only come from the central bank again, which means the central bank has to perpetually increase its money supply to temporarily cover the outstanding debt created, which in turn, since that new money is loaned out at interest as well, creates even more debt. The end result of this system without fail is slavery, for it is impossible for the government and thus the public to ever come out of the self-generating debt. The founding fathers of this country were well aware of this. By the early 20th century, the U.S. had already implemented and removed a few central banking systems, which were swindled into place by ruthless banking interests. At this time, the dominant families in the banking and business world were the Rockefellers, the Morgans, the Warburgs, the Rothschilds. And in the early 1900s, they sought to push, once again, legislation to create another central bank. However, they knew the government and public were very weary of such an institution, so they needed to create an incident to affect public opinion. So, J.P. Morgan, publicly considered a financial luminary at the time, exploited his mass influence by publishing rumors that a prominent bank in New York was insolvent or bankrupt. Morgan knew this would cause mass hysteria, which would affect other banks as well. And it did. The public, in fear of losing their deposits, immediately began mass withdrawals. Consequently, the banks were forced to call in their loans, causing the recipients to sell their properties, and thus a spiral of bankruptcies, repossessions, and turmoil emerged. Putting the pieces together a few years later, Frederick Allen of Life magazine wrote, The Morgan interests took advantage to precipitate the panic, guiding it shrewdly as it progressed. Unaware of the fraud, the Panic of 1907 led to a congressional investigation headed by Senator Nelson Aldrich, who had intimate ties to the banking cartels and later became part of the Rockefeller family through marriage. 
The commission, led by Aldrich, recommended a central bank should be implemented so a panic like 1907 could never happen again. This was the spark the international bankers needed to initiate their plan. In 1910, a secret meeting was held at a J.P. Morgan estate on Jekyll Island off the coast of Georgia. It was there that the central banking bill called the Federal Reserve Act was written. This legislation was written by bankers, not lawmakers. This meeting was so secretive, so concealed from government and public knowledge, that the ten or so figures who attended disguised their names when en route to the island. After this bill was constructed, it was then handed over to their political frontman, Senator Nelson Aldrich, to push through Congress. And in 1913, with heavy political sponsorship by the bankers, Woodrow Wilson became president, having already agreed to sign the Federal Reserve Act in exchange for campaign support. And two days before Christmas, when most of Congress was at home with their families, the Federal Reserve Act was voted in, and Wilson in turn made it law. Years later, Woodrow Wilson wrote, in regret, Congressman Lewis McFadden also expressed the truth after the passage of the bill. A world banking system was being set up here, a super state controlled by international bankers acting together to enslave the world for their own pleasure. The Fed has usurped the government. Now, the public was told that the Federal Reserve System was an economic stabilizer and inflation and economic crises were a thing of the past. Well, as history has shown, nothing is further from the truth. The fact is, the international bankers now had a streamlined machine to expand their personal ambitions. For example, from 1914 to 1919, the Fed increased the money supply by nearly 100%, resulting in extensive loans to small banks and the public. Then, in 1920, the Fed called in mass percentages of the outstanding money supply, thus resulting in the supporting banks having to call in huge numbers of loans, and, just like 1907, Bank runs, bankruptcy, and collapse occurred. Over 5,400 competitive banks outside of the Federal Reserve System collapsed, further consolidating the monopoly of a small group of international bankers. Privy to this crime, Congressman Lindbergh stepped up and said in 1921, under the Federal Reserve Act, panics are scientifically created. The present panic is the first scientifically created one worked out as we figure a mathematical equation. However, the panic of 1920 was just a warm-up. From 1921 to 1929, the Fed again increased the money supply, resulting once again in extensive loans to the public and banks. There was also a fairly new type of loan called a margin loan in the stock market. Very simply, the margin loan allowed an investor to put down only 10% of a stock's price, with the other 90% being loaned through the broker. In other words, a person could own $1,000 worth of stock with only $100 down. This method was very popular in the roaring 1920s, as everyone seemed to be making money in the market. However, there was a catch to this loan. It could be called in at any time and had to be paid within 24 hours. This is termed a margin call, and the typical result of a margin call is the selling of the stock purchased with the loan. So, a few months before October in 1929, J.D. Rockefeller, Bernard Barack, and other insiders quietly exited the market. 
and on October 24, 1929, the New York financiers who furnished the margin loans started calling them in in mass. This sparked an instantaneous, massive sell-off in the market, for everyone had to cover the margin loans. It then triggered mass bank loans for the same reason, in turn collapsing over 16,000 banks, enabling the conspiring international bankers to not only buy up rival banks at a discount, but to also buy up whole corporations at pennies on the dollar. It was the greatest robbery in American history. But that didn't stop there. Rather than expanding the money supply in order to recover from this economic collapse, the Fed actually contracted it, fueling one of the largest depressions in history. Once again outraged, Congressman Louis McFadden, a longtime opponent of the banking cartel, began bringing impeachment proceedings against the Federal Reserve Board. Saying of the crash and depression, it was a carefully contrived occurrence. International bankers sought to bring about a condition of despair so that they might emerge the rulers of us all. Not surprisingly, and after two previous assassination attempts, McFadden was poisoned at a banquet before he could push for the impeachment. Now, having reduced the society to squalor, the Federal Reserve bankers decided that the gold standard should be removed. In order to do this, they needed to acquire the remaining gold in the system. So, under the pretense of helping to end the depression, came the 1933 gold seizure. Under the threat of imprisonment for 10 years, everyone in America was required to turn in all gold bullion to the Treasury, essentially robbing the public of what little wealth they had left. And at the end of 1933, the gold standard was abolished. If you look at a dollar bill from before 1933, it says it is redeemable in gold. If you look at a dollar bill today, it says it is legal tender, which means it is backed by absolutely nothing. It is worthless paper. The only thing that gives our money value is how much of it is in circulation. Therefore, the power to regulate the money supply is also the power to regulate its value, which is also the power to bring entire economies and societies to its knees. They create money out of nothing. Oh, what a scam. They have so much money, they don't care about money. All they care about is power. All they care about is be able to control the, the political situation so it goes their way. After a man has far more money than he possibly can spend for pleasures, what is left to excite him? For those with a ruling class mentality, the answer is power, raw power over other human beings. Money can buy such power only to a point. Beyond that, politics is the sport, and world politics is the ultimate game.
1954, the elite of the planet met in secret at the Bilderberg Hotel in Oosterbeck, Holland. The Bilderberg Group would later admit that their mission was the formation of the EU. Once the EU was established, under the guise of trade deals, a North American Union and Asian Union would be formed. The three interlocking superstates formed the core of the global government, while the United Nations would serve as a world regulatory and enforcement body over the third world subregions. The Bilderberg Group consists of the heads of all of the managing roundtable groups that steer individual countries. Picture the elite power structure of the world as a giant pyramid with only the elite of the elite at the tip top of the capstone. The group has been so secretive that until the mid-1980s, the controlled corporate media denied its existence. Into the late 1990s, coverage only consisted of rare one-line mentions. With the rise of the alternative media, their stranglehold on information has begun to slip. On the outskirts of the national capital today, black limousines with darkened windows converged on a hotel where private security guards imposed ironclad control. The limos carried royalty, political power brokers, and industrial titans to a secret meeting that will last all weekend. It's known as the Bilderberg Group. Could their objective be world domination? If you haven't heard of the Bilderbergers, it's for one reason only. They haven't wanted you to. At their annual closed-door meetings, no outsiders are allowed even close to the building. Here are gathered the most powerful individuals of the Western world united regularly at club meetings. Yet nothing is reported by the New York Times, the Washington Post, or the L.A. Times. What really fascinates me is the complete blackout in the American press. For more than 20 years, I've gone down to the press club every day. I check the wires in their library, mingle with other paper boys, and I ask them the question many times, why, when if uh, 120 film stars or 120 NFL football players met behind locked and guarded doors at remote locations for three days, you'd try very hard to penetrate and find out what those movie stars or football players are doing. Well, I have no curiosity at all when 120 of the world's most powerful financial leaders and political leaders meet for three days in a remote location behind armed guards in a complete blackout. Well, I have no curiosity. Why is it the major media would deny this? Let's look at the ownership of the major media. Let's look at the roster of, say, the Bilderberg meeting. Catherine Graham owns the Washington Post. Catherine Graham has been to the Bilderbergers. Conrad Black, one of the largest uh, media barons in Canada and Europe, has not only been to these meetings, but he has hosted the meeting just a few years ago. Every year they meet in secret, and there is an absolute news blackout. There is never anything reported in any of those papers. David Rockefeller himself thanked the media for keeping this all hushed up.
John. Big enough? Mm, yes, old King George should be able to see that. <laughs> course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another a decent respect requires that they declare the causes which impel them to separation we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights and among these a life liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. To secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. And whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to establish new government. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, do and with the authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these United Colonies are, and of right ought to be, free and independent states, that they are absolved of all allegiance to the British Crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. In the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Let's talk to Will in Arizona. Thanks for holding her on the air. First off, I am a Prison TV Planet member. Awesome, brother. Go ahead and into your points, and I'll hold you over if need be. Um, if you really want to have an unbridged idea of what is going on today, Look at, uh, it's actually a YouTube video, but it's a, it's a documentary, uh, Adolf Hitler, uh, The Greatest Story Never Told. He actually kicked out a lot of the bankers because they were trying to implode Germany after World War I. And it was the bankers. And uh, when I was watching that, it was five hours long. And I started listening and saying to myself, wait a minute, They're, they are just repeating history. But because we are so dumbed down in the sense of our historical knowledge. Well, I haven't seen the documentary you're talking about. Uh, but uh, people can, I guess, check it out for themselves. It's a very well-made, excellent and moving documentary called Adolf Hitler, The Greatest Story Never Told. I want you to do something for me as well, and I would really appreciate it. Before you listen to this interview, I want you to watch the documentary. I know you want to listen to this program right away, but if you haven't already seen it, I want you to stop this program right now and go watch the documentary first. And I'm adamant about watching the documentary because one of the biggest hurdles that the majority of people seem to have, they're basically just 
kind of set in their ways and they argue that they already know everything that they need to know concerning this topic. Well, I can promise you, people, you don't know one-tenth of it. I seriously had a panic attack after I watched that documentary, The Greatest Story Never Told. And for days afterward, I was really shook, shook up. It was it had such a profound impact on me, and, and everything started making so much sense. And I felt so. I mean, I've always felt kind of betrayed by, by the powers that be, but I felt more betrayed than ever. Mm-hmm. And I started and I started looking back on my entire life, and looking back at all the movies that I'd seen. I just couldn't believe it. I thought if they could pull off this, then anything is possible. Anything. Yeah. You know, and. Uh, that one, you know, I would encourage anybody watching this or listening to this to, to watch that hasn't seen that documentary to watch it and go with, back with and, an open mind, uh, open mind, and listen to that interview that you did with um, Dennis Wise recently. But that's most likely what what got us censored from iTunes, by the way, too. That show. Yeah, well, that uh, shows what we're not allowed to talk about. It's just yeah, it's yeah, off limits, you know. That, and that's what when I was going through that sort of panic attack re- realization. That was it. And that was the re- that was the big red flag. I was like, oh my god! Like, of course, of course, we're not being told the truth because we're not allowed to talk about this issue. When you're not allowed to talk about something, then that's that's like the red flag right there. If it's off yeah. limits, then that's the thing you need to talk about the most. And to, and the rule to remember is that history is written by the winner. I can promise you, people, you don't know one tenth of it. Our Lord, 1314. Patriots of Scotland, starving and outnumbered, charged the fields of Bannockburn. They fought like warrior poets. They fought like Scotsmen. And won their freedom. I've been asking where the Trump supporters are, right? Why have we been so quiet? Where all the Trumpies at, right? That's what I've been hearing. We've been here the whole time. We don't need a safe space. We don't burn down our cities. We don't riot when things don't go our way. And if we lose a fair one, then we accept defeat with humility.
Shall we having some fun today?
hostile actions against United States ships on the high seas in the Gulf of Tonkin have today required me to order the military forces of the United States to take action in reply. Dr. Martin Luther King, the apostle of nonviolence in the civil rights movement, has been shot to death in Memphis, Tennessee. Senator Kennedy has been shot. Is that possible? He still has the gun. The gun is pointed at me right at this moment. Take a hold of his thumb and break it if you have to. Colonel Carolina, we are People calling themselves members of the Weather Underground last night planted bombs in federal office buildings in Washington and Oakland, California. They took the babies out of incubators and left the children to die on the cold floor. Survivors of the USS Liberty are demanding a congressional investigation into what happened and acknowledgement that the Israeli Air Force bombed a U.S. intelligence Navy ship. The death of bin Laden marks the most significant achievement to date in our nation's effort to defeat al-Qaeda. The Taliban is taking responsibility for shooting down a U.S. helicopter. More than 30 people were killed, and there are reports this morning that most of them are U.S. Navy SEALs. There may be a false flag incident where some uh, ship goes down and you be used for the excuse to accelerate the next war. If there's one thing that has unified Democrats and Republicans and everybody in between, then we all hated the bank bailout. The Department of Homeland Security is apparently on a huge ammo buying spree. It comes out to like 1.6 billion rounds of ammunition. Today, it is infinitely easier to kill a million people than to control a million people. They estimated that they would have to eliminate 25 million people in these re-education centers. And when I say eliminate, I mean kill. I'm here to warn people. You keep telling me to shut up. This isn't a game. From the front lines. giving these maggots a call here to harass people and all day long and we'll see what's going on, what the deal is with them here. You know, leave people alone, but these people like to harass people, so we're going to see what's up with them right now. The number you have dialed is not in service. Please check the number and try again. Goodbye. Now, how can a number be not in service? How can a number not be in service? They called me from that number. I received a phone call from that number today. So this is what I'm talking about. These are the problems that we have here in America. It's a huge problem. And this is this got to stop. It's got to stop. All right, let's try this one, right? This one is another one here. Another another one each uh, they used here. Same people too doing it, I think. Well, we're gonna get to the bottom of this here. Okay, let's give this one a shot. Um, all right.
call failed. That's what it just said, call failed. So it's the games they play, okay? Let's call it again. Called me here about uh, six thirty. No. No. Who am I speaking to? Hello. Why? Why? Well, because you called my phone. I was just curious. I just I wanted to know who I was who was calling me. You know. You you know you got I the same area code as me. Uh, well, hard. yes, you did at six thirty at six thirty four. Unless someone's using your phone number without your permission. I guess they are. It wasn't me. Yeah, if I were, I'd probably call the phone. Well, your number's been calling me quite frequently, actually. So if I were you, I'd, like, call your phone company and uh, tell them they're stealing your number. I mean, they're they, they constantly calling me. That's why I'm calling you back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, well, all right. Well, I'm just letting you know. I mean, you know, because you know, it just it keeps calling me and calling me, you know? <laughs> I mean, they must be spoofed. There's something going on where they spoof people's caller ID. Uh, that could be it, you know. 
So I don't know. But like I said, you're like I said, you your number called me the last time it called me was about six thirty four PM. It's on my yeah, caller right. ID here. It was me. <laughs> All right. All right. Well I figured I'd just let you know. All right. Appreciate it. Yep. Later. Okay. All right. All right. Well, yeah. <laughs> Caught him off guard there, didn't I? <laughs> uh, shocker there. He got a shocker. <laughs> we got another one here. Let's, uh, let's try this one here. Yeah, they think they're slick. <laughs> you know? But, uh,. That's what happens, man. You know, you, you know, and, and these people bother me all day long, and and I'm sure you guys get them too. These telemarketers, but I get them. I get I get them on a different level for another reason. But you know, now you put them in there. Now you track them down. You get their real numbers and you track them down. And now you know, but th- th- this can't be prosecuted. They wouldn't. Nobody will prosecute this for you. But uh, let's try one more, and then we'll wrap up the news for today and uh, the Russia Ukraine uh, situation there. A uh, very big problem over there. Uh, obviously, we uh, covered the truth on that. Um, I play some. I got some requests after that three. I um, had uh, played last night with the girl from Ukraine, who tells you the truth about uh, what's really going on over there, not what you get from Fox and Friends and uh, um, these other uh, news networks. Well, you know. Other phony places. All right, what's going on here? Uh, all right, let's call this number here, and then we'll uh, play that video for you, I guess. Thank you for calling the University of Arizona Global Campus, formerly now, why Oxford would they University. Be calling me? Why would they be calling me? The University of Global, why would they be calling me? You know, but uh, those of you that just tuned in, uh, yeah, we got a hold of one of these spoofers, and he was quite shocked, and we kind of sounded like a familiar voice. <laughs> oh, we tricked them tonight. We tricked them. We tricked them. Bye-bye. Oh, yeah. All right. But anyway, yeah, the Russia-Ukraine thing, um, if you've been missing missed tonight's podcast show, uh, pretty much uh, touching base on that. Uh, we came on at 7 o'clock tonight. I was on earlier with the Republic, actually, Republic Radio. I was on earlier with them. So uh, between 6.30 and 7, and then I decided to come on and uh, just uh, do what we can here on the, on the podcast here show. So uh, anybody got anything they want to add here tonight? Oh, we got a hand up here. Let's bring them on. Go ahead there, private caller. Hey, my friend, Gibson, brother. How are you, sir? Yes, brother, yes. How are you? Pretty good. Uh, thank you very much. I hope you uh, also uh, well enough. And uh, you know, this uh, everything. You know, Ukraine was a setup, my friends. Ukraine was a getaway to the World War Three, and and that's why now they want to impose no-fly zone. Uh, you know, into Ukraine, and they want to send MiG-29 to. Ukraine. This is act of war. Well, they say they're not going to do that now. They say they they they're not going to set up the no-fly zone. They're not going to set up the no-fly zone, and uh, they're not going to provide the MIGs. They're not going to take a chance. That's what they said. That's what they're saying. That's what I heard anyway. But no, we keep seeing mix uh, react uh, mix in the morning. They say yeah, they're going to do it. 
that, as you mentioned uh, maybe earlier, a few hours ago, they say no. So, I mean, it's, it's a mess they have created. Ukraine was a getaway to the World War Three, and they're not going to back down. You see, now the gas, I told you yesterday, I told you before, gas will be $15, $20 easy in the United States of America. In, in Canada, it will be $25. And you so, think gas? You think gas is going to be fifteen dollars a gallon in America? Yeah, no right, way. That right, would be impossible. That would be impossible. That would. They can't do that. that. No, they can't do that. That'd be impossible. That would crash. Because figure it out. You have to convert that to heating the uh, heating your house and everything. Too. There's just no way. There would no. They can't do that. That'd be impossible. But but they have to shut it but, down. But yeah, you see, eight ninety nine gas in California right now, my friend. Go check it out. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, no. I said it was going to be 10 bucks a gallon. That's how far it would go. It'd go 10 bucks. But 15, 20, you're talking huge now. You're talking big. You see, my friend, you see, the gas price will go to $300 per barrel. $300 per barrel, that's equivalent to, you know, 15, 20 bucks. Easy. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, well, no. They go, no. No, not necessarily, not necessarily, no, because because I remember when gas was uh, what oil was what it was uh, it got down to what nineteen dollars a barrel, twenty dollars a barrel, and they were they said they would just stop production then because it wasn't worth it. It's the and that that holds true if it went to twenty five dollars uh, a gallon of gas, they they would stop production because it would be impo- They would just wouldn't do it. That's what I'm trying to say. If you're trying to you can you follow me, how much what, is gas you know? in your your neck of wood, please? Uh, it's four dollars and uh, nineteen cents a, a gallon right now. Okay, so fifty cents went up uh, just last night. For your information, the way it's going up, fifty cents is thirty cents to tomorrow, and is easily. I mean, why California is nine dollar gas already? Uh, who the hell is? Well, the regulations because they have some because they have a huge gas tax too. They have a huge gas tax and the regulations course, yeah. that they have. But, I mean, who the hell is paying $9 gas? They should boycott that gas station. You see? Oh, well, yeah, I know. They, you should boycott stay that Stay home. Gas station stay home. Everybody no, stay gas home. Gas. Don't go to work. Yes. So this is the new lockdown then, you're saying. Is that true? What's that? I didn't hear you say that again. Are you saying that new lockdown is the gas prices causing new lockdown for the people? Uh, well, what I would say, what I'm going to say is that what I would say is this: is that we lock ourselves down. We don't go to work. Stop commerce, uh, disobedience, because we have enough. We have enough gas and natural resources. We could use our own uh, production here in the United States. We can uncap the wells here and and produce gas. So, so are you saying that the gas riots coming like 1970s to the United States? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I can't say that. I don't know for sure. What I'm well, all I'm saying is, is that that if it goes up any higher, past fifteen dollars a gallon, like you're saying, they'll shut it down. They'll stop production. They won't. They won't produce. They won't. They won't. You know, it just there'll be no production at all because it just wouldn't. It'd be too expensive. It'd be too costly for them to uh, refine it. You know, and, and produce the gas. The gas. It just would. Nobody would buy. Be able to buy, pay for it anyway. You won't be able to heat your house. How can people heat their house? You know. <laughs> yes. Figure that one out, you know. And, and and for your information, we have so many crisis actor training now arriving in the United States and trying to, uh, you know, toxic the minds of the American people. 
uh, oh, Ukraine this, Ukraine that. Oh, Russia is killing everybody like yeah, that. Yeah, I know, I know. But, yeah, we only so, get so 800,000 barrels of, get, of oil from uh, Russia. That's what we buy, I think. It's 800,000 barrels, which is nothing. So that's what we buy from Russia. So why are our prices are all so affected by, uh, you know, uh, what's going on over there? I don't know. You know, <laughs> many of the things that is uh, the photos that you see from Ukraine is is either is, uh, you know, polished, or 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 many of it is crisis after training. I mean, if if you see the child is calm, is is uh, they have a put an, a put into. Well, the, let me you ask know. you this question. Let me ask you this. Bottom line is this: We're not willing to risk war with Russia over Ukraine, right? As that nation <laughs> has over 44 million. Uh, people, right? But we're but and we're not willing to establish no fly zone over Ukraine. That's what they said, right? Which would mean war, right? But but if Russia attacks Finland, Sweden, Ukraine, or Georgia, we stay out of the war. But if Russia attacks Lithuania, uh, Slovakia, Romania, or Bulgaria, then we go to war. What sense does that make? That makes no sense. I mean, nothing you know, makes sense. You know? I mean, we don't know even why. What the hell uh, Putin attacked Ukraine? Or, or, I mean, you think Zelensky is innocent? Zelensky is a dictator of Ukraine as well, too. He well, killed a lot well of let me play this. Let me play uh, uh, this. This is breaking right here. Confesses to a uh, criminal world domination plan. This is what they're planning right now. I'll play this here. This, this, they openly confess this right now. Let's see. This one right here. I just got this one right here. We'll play this one. Okay, sounds good. InfoWars information is game-changing, and the products we sell are groundbreaking and game-changing. We are the only company to produce triiodine. It is so important to your immune system. And welcome back to this live Wednesday of the Alex Jones Show. I'm your host, Alex Jones. We're about to dive into something that is of paramount importance and is an issue that I hammer home every day because it is one of the main keys of victory and destiny. We have to know who our enemies are. We have to understand who the globalists are and what their plans for us are and how they brag in hundreds of books they've written and thousands of articles that I personally read. I'm sure there's thousands more I haven't read about how we're idiots and how we need to be depopulated and how they take control of society and civilizations of the corporations. And if we simply identify these people and realize from their own words and deeds, because they're not boasting, that they are the authors of 90% or more of the world's problems. Now, an example of this is Klaus Schwab. <laughs> He's the central example of it. If you go to the Wikipedia page, it has a link to the Davos group with him bragging about three years ago seizing control of, quote, democracies by penetrating them and infiltrating them and whining and dining and paying off young leaders, in many cases at the college level and up, by the thousands every year around the world, using intelligence agency tactics to then embed them as spies inside first local, state, and then federal governments. And then these international organizations like the IMF, the World Bank, the UN, through the Davos Group, can direct a top-down takeover by the very top of the world system, this unelected authoritarian, going and recruiting and getting all the people elected and put in positions in the local, state, and national governments. This is how you capture a civilization. This is what has happened to us. And I understand 
our amazing audience is sitting there saying, Alex, we knew this before you were born. Or a lot of you are like, yeah, Alex, we tuned in 20 years ago. We know. We checked. We know it's true. Why are you telling us again? Because the general public still doesn't know. And I talk to top lawyers and top bank owners and top talk show hosts all the time and spend 10, 15 minutes showing them clips about Klaus Schwab and the U.N., and the Davos Group, and the Bilderberg Group, and the Club of Rome, and British Intelligence, and, 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 and Carol Quigley, and Cecil Rhodes, and explaining how it all works, and boom, they wake up, they understand it, they're off and running, and then they're now out exposing it. So we've grown from almost nobody knowing about this 25 years ago to a large portion of folks getting it, and we're very, very close to identifying it and stopping it dead in its tracks. Now, a new piece of video has emerged from the Harvard Kennedy School with the globalist New World Order operative David Gergen interviewing Klaus Schwab at the Kennedy School, which is again one of these big globalist organizations. So you have a real Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., fighting their Great Reset agenda, and then you've got something bearing his brother's name, and it's absolutely captured by the organization, multinational group that undoubtedly ran the murder of the man whose name they've now stolen. It's just, it's just too rich. But getting back to the video clip you're about to see, it's only a minute and 15 seconds long. We're going to link in the live show feed of InfoWars.com the full hour-long discussions, and you'll watch for yourself because there's stuff just as bad in it. But here is Klaus Schwab admitting what he says in the Wikipedia entries on television in front of a crowd of people on C-SPAN. Here he is saying that their alumni including Angela Merkel and Vladimir Putin, oh, you didn't know that? Including the Prime Minister of New Zealand, the Prime Minister of Canada, uh, the, the President of France, all of them went to the Bilderberg School, the Davos Young Global Leader School. Now, obviously, anybody wanting to get powerful, anybody wanting to get ahead, wants to go be part of this feeder group. And I'm not saying everybody that's gone is evil. Now, Tulsi Gabbards went to it. Dan Crenshaw. But the point is, is that we should be aware of this and understand this, and understand that what Klaus Schwab set up with Henry Kissinger is only a more modern model of what the British Roundtable Group started setting up in places like India 250 years ago for the British East India Company that then spread around the world. And that is these organizations and groups that go and recruit the locals and roundtable groups that are controlled like a central agent in the middle that operate like a British intelligence operation, because it is a British intelligence operation. That's the model of it. And Carol Quigley and many others wrote books about it, as big as Brzezinski. This is not a secret in the intelligentsia. And we have to be adults and know the playbook and know what we're up against and realize these globalist would-be controllers are very evil and don't even want you to be alive. That's their ideology, is to destroy you enslave you and suck everything you've got out of you and then destroy you. That's why we've got to be opposed. So, so here's this short, extremely powerful clip, but we're going to come back with more. Um, when I mention yeah. our names, like Mrs. Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now is the young generation, like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, president of, of uh, Argentina and so on, so we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau, and I would know that half of this cabinet, or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet, are 
for our actually young noble leaders of the world. Grateful. That's true in Argentina as well. It's true in Argentina and uh, it's true in France now. Mm -hmm. I'm here with the president, with a young global leader. But if you're live, we've linked to it again at InfoWars.com. In the live show feed area, you can go watch this for yourself. So there they are admitting that the, how they're infiltrating the governments and uh, uh, to have their new world order agenda achieved. So they openly tell everybody what they're doing, and nobody catches on to it. Yes. What do you think about that there, Mike? I Yes, absolutely, my friend. Uh, I mean, Zelensky is part of the New World Order. I mean, they told him to do it, so let us have a World War III, and we will take care of you. Right now, they sent 17,000 anti-tanks to them. I mean, how many tanks, uh, I mean, Russia has? <laughs> that they sent 17,000, my friend. I don't think yeah. the United States has 17,000 tanks, but, I mean, maybe. But what? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. So, 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 I mean, they keep sending uh, anti-stingers, uh, you know, missiles to uh, Ukraine, etc. My friend, everything you say is correct. Everything uh, 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 our beloved Alex Jones saying the same thing. I mean, and everybody else saying the same thing. I mean, Steve Quell. It's just yeah. with 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 Ranger, you know, with uh, uh, with Ranger from uh, news. Uh, I mean, natural news. They put emergency news that people need to be ready for nukes coming to the United States. You need to prepare yourself for the nukes. So while uh, they put this emergency, I ask you to go to stevecove.com or. Uh, in the, in natural yeah, I'd stock up on iodine pills. I'd stock up on iodine, right. uh, stuff like that, you know? Yes. Uh, definitely. I, I mean, you I, can't I, stock I, up and be prepared for everything. It'd be impossible to be prepared for everything. I mean, you know, but, but uh, try to do your best. But but no, this bulletin, I ask everybody, maybe tomorrow you can play. Play Steve Coyle, a uh, one-hour uh, emergency bulletin with yeah. Ranger. Yeah, uh, sure. Natural news. Please do that for your beloved friends, and we shall come and make a lot of comments as well. I mean, God bless you, my friends, and a new world order is just... Uh, it's well, just it's, it's, it's nothing new, really. It's, it's an old... You know, it's, it's, just an, it's, it's not a new thing, this world order. It's been happening throughout civilization. Uh, uh, you know, it's just that it, it's it's things change. It's resetting the way things are around the world. You know, if you look at every 500 years years of history, how things change and uh, the control, the the the, the uh, trying to control. You know, that's what it is. It's trying to control uh, the world population, and uh, they're gaining with the technology now. It's easier for them to. Oops, it's, it's easier for them to control. So. Uh, you know, uh, so it's coming. Yeah, it's it's total control and dominance over the human body and mind and uh, uh, people, and that's what they want. Especially Oksana, United Nations ambassador to, from Ukraine, keep saying new world order, new world order, world order, the conscious yeah. world order. I mean, she keeps changing the vocabulary, but it's the same thing. And she says, we are heralds to the world order system. So that means, hey, this is your chance. You need to help yeah. us. Let us ignite World yeah. War Three together. And let us sure. get rid of 90% of the population. 
and that is you know uh, is better than the COVID or any other. Yeah. Uh, well, the Michigan uh, trials have begun too. I just want to say that alert everybody out here because everyone knows that uh, Barry he used to call into this show, Barry, and uh, a lot of those guys used to call in, and uh, their their trials have begun. The Michigan trials for the kidnapping of the governor there. Uh, uh, so I just want to let everyone know that that's going on, uh, that's begun. So, well, Mike, I do appreciate it. I'm actually going to play a little clip of that, but uh, here uh, uh, it's live right now. Some of this stuff uh, they got some live stuff going on right now, live feeds. And uh, but but uh, people you. that thank you, much. yeah, God. man. God bless you. God yeah. bless you. All right, and I thank you for giving us the uh, freedom and democracy to give our opinion on your show. Well, not and a democracy, a republic, 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 republic. No yes. democracy. Yes. Democracy is a two wolves and a sheep going on what's for dinner. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, either way, you know, uh, the freedom that you give to everybody that to give their opinion, this is really crucial because without freedom, we have nothing. Thank you very much. That's right. All right. See you later, my friend. All right. Be good. All right. I uh, appreciate the call there. I'm going to play a little bit of this here. Uh, this is the live feed uh, of what's going on there with the Michigan uh, stuff. So we'll play a little bit, a couple, couple minutes of that. And then uh, anybody else wants to call in, check in 657-383-0616. Press the number one. All of these, Ty Garbin, they say that all of these guys are more dangerous than them. Than all of those groups, and the claims have been made, and they always associate to like everybody does, but they do it, you know, in, in, in a way to uh, make our guys look like lunatics. Where they say, uh, and they, they do, they show pictures of like the the nine eleven almost nine eleven underwear bomber, and then they'll show the guys training, and then they'll show the towers coming down, and then they'll show pictures of ISIS. And then they'll show pictures of the guys training. And, you know, and this is how it's, how they've done it in their articles and, you know, digital uh, online platforms. And they've made all of these claims that, that this is the case. And they're talking about you as well. And recognizing that is appropriate. It's proper that this is exactly what has happened. This is what's going on. You're living in a time where your government will lie about you. They'll say that you're, you're doing this, that, and the other. They'll put boom, bombastic charges on you and <clears throat> make you out to be uh, an absolute lunatic and you're a pariah in your own society. And they'll suffer no ramifications even if you're found innocent. You know, this is the way it's always gone on for them, and this is just another couple of numbers to them. Well... To us, and that's just to the individual feds, to the DOJ and everybody, this case is a much bigger deal because this this indictment that went both with state charges and federal charges, between those two right there, they've encompassed if you're in the militia, you can face federal uh, terrorism charges. If you're in uh, the militia, you could also face state charges for gang activity so they also tried to charge the guys um and that's how they presented everything but the terrorism charges on the state level got taken out by the judge and instead of it and what was removed in the preliminaries on the federal side 
um, or the lack of, was replaced with a weapons of mass destruction charge. Uh, so, you know, obviously way overplaying their hand. Well, they don't care. They'll lie on you. If you know about Dan, the informant in Michigan, who has a hernia on his stomach, or at least had at the time, a real genuine medical condition where the uh, uh, fat and the, well, the intestines are poking out in between the uh, muscle lining. And that's what a hernia is. The, the muscle lining splits and the intestines poke out. And so he shows everybody this. And he says that the VA hospital will not give me surgery. Steve Robeson, which we might play a, a little bit of video from an article um, here in a bit, uh, held hands in circles and prayed and led prayers. So these are the degrees, the, uh, uh, the willingness that your enemy is willing to go to to set you up, to take you away from your family and your whole life and everyone you love because you decided to stand up for your country, right? Not because you actually committed a crime, but because you're a known patriot. And that's our reality. And it is appropriate and expected for us to give that the recognition that it deserves. It's not out of place and it's not extreme this is our reality. And, and again, this leads into all of the, the patriots that are going there to testify. Um, I just, I'll go ahead. So it, the, the weapons of mass destruction charge is silly. What they're saying is that when's the, other, when's the, other, when's the last time you heard somebody say weapons of mass destruction and it be, you know, uh, well, what was it in, in relation to? Saddam Hussein. Right. Saddam Hussein. You know, and, they, and so they're already planting the seeds. They're setting the tone for for portraying these people uh, as as these massive terrorists because they got upset, got recorded, um, got recorded saying something out of turn. You know, because they got upset when they were watching. They because literally meetings. One of the you know the cities were burning. Cities were burning to the ground, and these people had just had their their businesses shut down. I mean, they had their livelihoods destroyed by the government. Then the government stands down and lets, the, lets the, the, those same businesses be burned to the ground. And then they say something out of turn, out of frustration. And now all of a sudden they're terrorists with weapons of mass destruction. And what constitutes weapons of mass destruction? Some primers that are for reloading ammo. Some uh, gunpowder, which is for reloading ammo. We go... Uh, you know, some BBs, which could be for reloading ammo, and then a propane tank. Three of those things relate to reloading ammo, which is a totally legal process that you can do at home. And was also, I, I forgot to mention, that was another one of the agenda points. We saw that ammo was going up because of COVID, and we wanted to help guys be able to train because we knew things were getting sketchy in the, in the cities, and we didn't know what was going to happen with the election. You know, we thought the whole thing was going to go up in flames. Because Antifa had been and BLM had been raging throughout the whole country. And so we wanted to help guys train um, affordably. And, and so we wanted to figure out a way maybe to help reload, you know, shotgun shells and this and that. And, in fact, uh, Barry did have a shotgun, a DP-12, which is, a, again, a totally illegal firearm. And it would not be out of character to have those reloading things in his possession because he has that firearm. And yeah. so it's like these things are, are every normal, everyday uh, items, but they're being billed as yellow cake uranium. 
They're being billed as like a nuclear warhead or like uh, 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 like the Boston bomber. Like it, it, they're being billed as like a pressure cooker bomb. When that's, none of that was ever found. They found fireworks and they found stuff that doesn't even pertain to anything like that. And so it, it, it's just, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't want to get emotional about it. And I talk, we talked about this before. It's, with everything going on, it's just really aggravating to see how deceitful our government can be. And, for the, and, and if we really look at it, if we really want to put it in perspective, why is our government being so deceitful? Because they have deceit, because there's corruption, because the people that they don't like are the people that are exposing their corruption. It's, it's not even a... It's, it's, it's almost not even like a, a – it's a self-preservation thing in their heads. They're do, going after anybody who might expose what they have done. And, and that's, that's the only way I can see it because there's no other reason for them to be this egregious in their, in their persecution in their, in their, and their prosecution of people who did nothing more than love their country and get aggravated when they saw their cities get burned to the ground and the police that they pay for stand down. Yep, the night of the meeting that I went to that they said is the meeting that started the plot to kidnap the governor, we had militia leaders here from something like nine different states or something, and they all went down into downtown Columbus that night and watched BLM and Antifa tear up my city um, alongside the police and the National Guard. And... uh, you know, they, if they wanted to do something, like if the plan was to be extreme or something, like we were, you know, like plotting to do something or whatever, you, you're not going to find a better time than that night, you know? So that's something that showcases that these are not extremists, you know? They weren't looking for a reason to fight. They weren't, you know, uh, the reason we came together was, was uh, made pretty clear in the video that's on the, the channel here. Uh, seven-minute video that shows, you know, me talking there, and that was that was what guided us and what motivated us. Was Can you play that video just to give context. I know we played it a thousand times, but just in the context of explaining the timeline and everything, maybe it would be good just to play it through. I mean, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I, I know there's people uh, coming in and out, and I know that we have some new viewers that I haven't seen before. So maybe you guys haven't seen this video. Short video, Jeremy. De- it's uh, of Jeremy Dieter at the Dublin meeting, and that's where the the federal indi- uh, the indictments, I believe, is that what it was, uh, say that the, the the plot took form or whatever. But uh, let's see if if that if what Jeremy if if this meeting if this is the only video we have of the meeting, it doesn't jive with what the FBI is saying. So let's I'll just put it like that. So we're gonna play that real quick, Jeremy. If you wanna, oh, I was gonna have you talk while I just try to get this pulled up okay yeah so uh this obviously is not uh the entirety of the conversation that was had there there was you know 15 people or so there so there was a lot more said um obviously but this tells you uh what seven minutes of it was about uh that gives you an idea at least into our heads and our thinking and, and some of our motivations. Now we talked about a lot of things, but we never talked about kidnapping a governor. 
you know, in lieu of that, our conversations were more like this. So here you go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Do what? Go back to our communities and do what? This may be our first and greatest initiative. Uh, our lands need heal. And there's nobody coming to heal them. It is the responsibility of the Americans to heal these lands. There's no one coming to save us. There's nobody coming to do this for us. And we've been pitted against each other. We can sit here and pretend like this isn't the case, but racism is alive and well in our country because it was it was handed to us. It, it was uh, forced down our throats. And so now this becomes the way that, that we deduce and the way that we, we give reason and logic. And all of that, all of that fundamental premise is a way that insane people reason rightly from the wrong means entirely. It's the wrong conversation. The Americans haven't had a chance to have a conversation, but if they did, if, if it was our conversation and it was honest, we would go to we would go to the poorest people. We would go to the richest people. We would go to the we would go to black neighborhoods. We would go to white neighborhoods. We would go to women. We would go to, to Hispanic Latino. We we would reach out to every single one of our countrymen and women because we understand what it is we've lost and what we stand to lose yet, which would be the rest of our nation. And we tell them, I realize that we've been divided against each other, that, that hatred has gotten a hold of both of our people, that, that, that it's in America, that, that you drink it, that you eat it, that you breathe it, that you sleep it, that you wake with it. And our effort is to take that away. That, that all of the racist ideology that has been given us has been given us by corporate-sponsored governance because these people have the biggest interest in making sure that we hate each other. And it's very, very well placed. They used the worst parts of us that, that, that all of us have. And then they gave us fear. And then they wouldn't stop. And they wouldn't stop. And they wouldn't stop. And here we are today. But... Beyond all of that and above that, we still sit here today with not just olive branches that, that we're trying to extend and not just broken hearts, but with a yearning and a sense of urgency that we're not sure this nation has felt before. And we recognize that in our countrymen and women, no matter their color, no matter their age, no matter their sex, if you're here, if you're an American, if you see what's happening, you're not alone. We're with you. But the media and everybody has made sure they, they've done an incredible job to keep us apart. They have us hating each other. They have us harming ourselves. We are here to put an end to all of that, to stop that. All of the messages that are preaching hate and division. Anybody that wants you to hate yourself or somebody else is your enemy. Period. We are not here for that. That is not what we want. What we want is for each and every one of our countrymen and women to realize that the militia and the patriots that you were told were a bunch of racists. That is not true. It was a tool to divide you against us. We are not racist. We are not hateful people. We want to stand with all of you, with each and every one of you. And we'll absolutely recognize our enemies as they come, no matter what shade or form they come in. But most every 
we hear about about our countrymen and women are our friends and allies, our neighbors. These are the people that we share the same space with regardless. And we collectively stand to lose everything, all of us. We're not we're not unrealistic, right? We have been armed against each other. So in that recognition, we're not asking for everybody to be friends and sing kumbaya. What we're asking is that if you have people here that you love, if you have something or someone worth fighting for, then you have people to stand with you to help you. And we come in every shade. We come in every single demographic. And we've been told that we're racist, that, that if you're a white militia, gun-toting, camouflage-wearing you know, patriot, then you're racist. That is not true. That is not true. And, and forget all of the messages that you've heard. Forget every single person or every single time that you've heard that, that it's been promoted on the television or the radio. It isn't true. We desperately want and need everyone to stand with us, or we will all lose together, every single one of us. Now, this is our olive branch that we're extending, that, that we need you, that this has to happen, that when everybody talks about government, they talk about how powerful they are, but I promise you their nightmares are made out of the day that we stand together because they know, they know that they stand to lose everything, all of their lives, all of their deceptions. It all comes to an end immediately, and we start to get everything we want. And at the very least, we wake up in a nation the next day that does not see that same tension that the government gave us the day before, that if we're going to hate each other, if we're going to love each other, we get to do so honestly by our own merits and our own interactions, that if, if we're going to come together, then we do so with the understanding that this isn't going to be a, a bunch of people who, who have known each other forever coming together. We have to recognize this is for one purpose, for all of us to be free. Forget what you've been told. Forget what you heard. It is not true. We need you. We want you to stand with us. This has to be the case or all of us lose. It's going to take a little bit of courage. It's going to take some bravery for you to stand with us. If you're a black person and you've been told that all of the white people that, are, that, that, that call themselves patriots are racist, then we're, we, we, are, we are those patriots they're talking about, and we are not racist, and we are not hateful people. They've done that to divide all of us against each other. So we're saying, come stand with us, please, or allow us to come stand with you uh, on whatever terms that we can do this. Look at what we've lost and think about what we stand to lose. Let it, let it circulate however it does inside of you, but please consider it. Please give it an honest consideration because this nation, collectively, its heart is broken. And none of us want this. And we want to get it back into the hands of a common man and woman. And the common man and woman, their hands come in every single shape. Every single shape. That's what we need. That's what we want. Thank you. Sorry about that. Um, just going to take this down here. Um, so, yeah. I mean, and I want, I, I did, I, Jeremy, Jeremy and I knew of each other cursorily, 
um, before all this went down, uh, we were, you know, we ran in the same circles and stuff. Um, but when I saw that video, I was like, man, that, that dude's pretty awesome. And I think that's the beginning of, well, I thought we could use some lightheartedness. I mean, I got a little emotional in the beginning there because it really is, it's a lot, it's all the things that we've sacrificed in our lives for this. Um, and we've had people come at us and call us everything under the sun from COINTELPRO to, you know, terrorists uh, and everything in between. Um, and, and all for the simple fact that we love our country and want to work to get it back the way it needs to be. Um, it's just, yeah, man, it, it's, it's a rough ride. Um, but we do it because we want to do it. And we don't cut and run. We just we stick with it, and when when they try to attack people that are our friends that we know are not what they're saying they are, we rally around them. We, what else can we do? That's what fr- I mean. That's what friends and brothers do is we rally around each other to lift each other up. Um, we don't cut and run when shit gets hard. Uh, excuse my language, but that's just not. It's not built into me. I know it's not into Jeremy. And I know it's not built into a lot of the people in the audience. I would say everybody except for maybe the possible DOJ and government people that are watching. But I would hope that they, too, would feel the same way about exposing corruption and standing with each other and standing up for America. I would hope that they feel the same way. I really, really would. Um, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's not unreasonable to have that expectation, and I suppose that's the problem, is that as far as any standard goes, it being unreasonable. And, uh, you know, that in and of itself is unacceptable. That's why we're here, you know. So, you know, what you're really talking about in the chat room there and all, all around this case are somewhere around 40 patriots that in about three weeks are going to get called to, Mich- to Michigan. We are... Uh, aware that every word that we say goes into the National Archive, that it goes into the law books, and that's for every federal case, let alone for a case that sets presidents nationally, obviously, federally. Yep. Um, We're normal people, man. You know, we are not cops. We are not government workers of any kind. We are not Cointel Pro. We're not anything like that. You know, we are seriously regular people, like normal people that are dads and moms and you know, sons and daughters and like just regular people, man. Like, this is what's happening to us. And, you know, yeah, we have to like kind of uproot our lives and go to Michigan, but this is part of, and this is our part of what it is to be a patriot. We're called to do this. And I want to uh, commend the people that are going. I want you to know that this is, it's an honor of a lifetime for us to be able to serve our country in this way. Many of us are civilians. We're not military. We'll never know the honor or the duty of serving our nation. What a brave thing it is when you feel like you're living through a novel like 1984 and you still take 
the reins into your own hands to believe in an idea that the most powerful people around you are trying their best to kill in the minds and hearts and spirits and the history books. This is a, a unique group to, for, for me to be able to, to stand with and stand by and, and call my countrymen and women and my brothers and sisters. And I have to recognize that. I have to, to recognize that I'm blessed to, to be able to be in such an honored position. Uh, does it, you know, um, do I think about, you know, like what this experience is going to be like? You know, absolutely. I know everybody else is too. And hopefully for the folks who aren't involved this closely, you know, this kind of gives you a perspective as to what some of this is like and, and what it's like to go through an experience of being just a regular person. Your friends get arrested and then your whole world changes, right? Your whole social strata changes because um, all of the uh, everything that goes on, you don't know if you're like safe to go out anymore. A lot of people express that. Um, almost like an agoraphobia. Um, you know, one guy who had his house raided, he saw the uh, cops put a bunch of red dots on a 62-year-old wife who could barely walk down the stairs by herself. So uh, this whole dreadfully long time that she's walking down the steps, she's, you know, her chest and her head are just covered, you know, center mass and head. Hey, this is an old woman, right? That they, they obviously can see cannot harm her, and um, you know they just painted her red and with with uh, the lasers. And you know, ever since then, he's like, I can't believe because of my patriot involvement that I'm I'm getting involved that that got my wife involved in this. You know that that's how she was treated, and it changed him. It, it took him away from the patriot movement. And while we see in numerous states that the cops really did their jobs, you know, that they, they did a good job breaking up the militias over the past five years. They've tried to pit militia and anonymous against each other, um, did that for about two years pretty solid. Um, you know, just did everything they could to make sure that the patriots had no friends and that they were painted as racist and hateful and everything else, uh, now terrorists. Um, and yet here you are. Here you are taking an actual physical stand against their efforts and what it is they're trying to achieve. Knowing that when you step out of that courthouse, you will probably be bombarded by media, right? Knowing that they'll seek to uh, try to harm you, try to harm your character. And yet here you are. Here you are standing in the face of things that, you know, corporations that are incomprehensible. All right, everybody podcasting here. Anybody here want to chip in here? Then you need to press number one now, 657-380-616. Uh, if anybody remembers, that was uh, – he's talking about the trial with the Michigan governor there. Uh, in case the new callers there just called in. And everyone knows that a bunch of those guys used to call into this podcast show, uh, especially Barry. He would call in here. Oh, my goodness. I remember him calling in. Oh, Lord. Many, many, many times. As a matter of fact, he'd be on the whole podcast sometimes. So, <clears throat> But uh, uh, he's one of the people that uh, got uh, rounded up in that sting there. So um, uh, I don't think 
that it's true what they say that they that they were planning on kidnapping any governor. I don't know. I, you know, I wasn't I wasn't there, so I don't know. So I don't. You know, I I he never mentioned anything to me or about it. So uh, I don't remember hearing anything at all about anything about something like that. And I wouldn't partake in something like that anyway. It's asinine and and. He was too smart for that anyway. I mean, it's asinine. Who would kidnap a what, – what what idiots would get together in a group and to go what, – what would you accomplish? Nothing. You would accomplish nothing at all. I mean, it, it, you'd have to know it was a setup from the get-go. <laughs> I mean, so it's just uh, – uh, well, we'll see what happens with the trial. See what happens, how they make out. So, but uh, – Six five seven three eight three zero six one six. Everybody uh, understand the times that we should have said. Boy, we went around the world tonight, so kind of covered a few things here. So uh, if not, we'll get ready to wrap up the podcast here. And uh, uh, again, keep your eyes on World War Three coming your way, coming your way. World War Three. We're gonna wrap it up right now. Good night, everybody.